We talk so much about going local, going local, but very often we do things that we think the locals do, but we don't actually talk to them about it. And we don't talk to them in the places that we find ourselves in. I think that the goal is to teach people perhaps, or to, to encourage people to make those deeper connections when they travel, to not only do the bucket list or, or the checklist of, of the Instagrammable places or the cute cafes or the nice museums, but really to engage with the people of a place. I love that. That's like the trailer right there. Nah. <laughs> Welcome to season two of About the Journey. If you're new here, I'm your host, Onika Raymond. I'm a travel journalist and Marriott Bonvoy member. That's me in the car with my producer, Gail. After months of emailing back and forth, Zoom meetings, and navigating different time zones, I hopped on a plane from Berlin to Washington, D.C. to meet up with Gail in person for the first time. Do I pronounce your last name Straub? Uh, Straub. Straub. Yeah, okay. it, is, it is German. German, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in my mind, it's Straub. <laughs> this season, we're starting with one simple idea, to travel better. What we mean by better, though, is open. That's what we're spanning North America to find out. Each week, we're meeting up with a local or two. They'll tell us where to go, what to do, and bring us along on an experience that defines their home. Go out to the avenues, go to like really far out by the beach and, and have dinner at a Thai restaurant that only does crab, you know, and it's Burmese. Have a Burmese meal. I mean, I think those are so the things. So not just get, get off of the top 10 list. Exactly. And uh, dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. We'll see their hometowns through their eyes. What I saw happening in Vancouver's Chinatown was that the traditional restaurants were closing, and so I decided that I was, uh, much to my father's dismay, I was going to do it myself. When we have the rodeo, people will actually come to me and say, I didn't know there were black cowboys. And I, and I said, yes. And let them tell us how to be a better visitor. You can see all these trees are with seeds, the mangroves. So this is the season to collect the seeds. Trees are every size. Rocks are every size. Like, in nature, there's not a size anyone's supposed mm -hmm. to be. That's how I feel out there, too. Those are the things that we contribute to this space. It is more than just the books. It is about community. This is Washington, D.C., and it's Black literary community in Anacostia. I know you've been to D.C. Mm -hmm. before. What is it that you feel like you haven't seen of D.C. before that you're looking forward to experiencing? Here's Robin Benefield, an old friend of mine. We met a decade ago when we were both trying to crack into the world of travel blogging. Today, she's the editorial director for Marriott Bonvoy Traveler and the catalyst for this trip, which we're conveniently starting in her hometown. You know, I've been to D.C. a few times, but I'm really looking forward to delving more into African-American culture. I think that's something that D.C. is steeped in, and I think that what is marketed worldwide about D.C. is not that. And obviously, as a Black woman who grew up in North America, I have a window into African-American culture, even though I'm Jamaican-Canadian, so hail from a different part of the continent. It's personal. It's personal for me here, definitely. We're in the car, leaving our hotel, the St. Regis, on Black Lives Matter Plaza, a two-block strip renamed in 2020 following protests over the murder of George Floyd. The rallying cry is painted on the street in eye-catching yellow letters that lie 35 feet tall. Black 
It's one thing to see a Black Lives Matter rally in the news or to see Black Lives Matter Plaza in pictures or in video form. I think it's quite another thing to be here and to be standing in the plaza. It's very powerful and very impactful. We leave Black Lives Matter Plaza to head five miles southeast to Anacostia, a historic neighborhood that sits just across the Anacostia River. We're crossing the river. That bridge over there is the Frederick Douglass Bridge. Anacostia is one of the oldest neighborhoods in the District of Columbia. You can see it in its Victorian-style houses with wraparound porches and Gothic spires. But more important than its age is its significance to the Black community, in part because of its past as a refuge for freed men and women after the abolishment of slavery in D.C. That was in 1862, and since then, the neighborhood has seen its ups and downs. It has witnessed some of the most intense white flight in Prince George's County following desegregation and is now battling gentrification. But its residents remain the undeniable backbone of the city, with some of its Black families spanning as far back as four generations. Anacostia has the highest concentrations of Black people in the city. Partly that was as a result of historically when people got moved here during the 60s and urban renewal, if you will. This is a part of the city where you can get the small businesses up and running. So if you're like an aspiring entrepreneur, this is like a hub where you can actually get things done. Anacostia, I think all the time, is just the hidden gem that nobody really knows about. Okay, we're here. We're pulled up to Mahogany Books, a Black-owned bookstore on Good Hope Road, the main drag that cuts through Anacostia's historic town center. The store's wide picture frame windows are bordered with thick black trim. Just beyond the smooth glass are proud displays of stacks of books. The store is located in the Anacostia Arts Center, a community space for small businesses, art galleries, and even worship services. We can hear the choir next door as we arrive at the store on a Sunday morning, an hour before Mahogany Books opens up to meet with owners Ramunda and Derek Young. Ramunda is wearing her hair in gorgeous locks that swing as she nods and smiles encouragingly. Next to her is her husband, Derek, a broad-shouldered guy who's also got locks and reading glasses, too. We're celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary on Wednesday. Uh So I got them a year after, so 19 years. But I just keep cutting them. Immediately, I get deja vu walking with the Youngs into their bookstore. Um, Oh, my goodness, I... Own this book. Oh, yeah. um, but, um, that, but, my name is Ramonda yeah, Young. I, I, I am the owner and co-founder of Mahogany Books here in Washington, D.C. I am Derek Young. I won't make a joke. I am <laughs> the owner and co-founder of Mahogany Books here in uh, Washington, D.C., my hometown, Anacostia. So, Derek, this is your hometown, but Ramonda, this is not. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just blocks from Black Wall Street. My parents still live there to this day. And to be there and to be surrounded by Black Wall Street was something that was amazing. But I didn't know it was amazing until later in life, um, because growing up in my schools, we never talked about it. So to be blocks away from one of the most prolific communities of, black, of Blackness and not know it was there was just something that was 
mind-boggling. Now, Derek, you said you are from D.C. Southeast. You, you grew up in the Anacostia neighborhood? Uh, so my father, this was his home. Mm-hmm. So he's a D.C. native. So my grandparents, my cousins, uh, aunts and uncles, like when we, on the weekend, we got together and we ran around the streets. We was coming back here. Mm-hmm. So my grandparents live not too far from here. So, you know, I have some scars from uh, falling <laughs> and uh, 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 playing in the street uh, with my cousins. Um, but yeah, this was, so this was a good portion of my youth. So I'm not from the area, right? So in, within the framework of Metro DC, how does Anacostia fit in? I feel cliche saying like a vibe. I don't like using that thing. <laughs> but it, it really is. It's like this is, if um, you're from Southeast, it's you're from Southeast and it's mm. like it's embedded. So it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. People from uh, Bronx and Brooklyn, how they have that love mm-hmm. for it. It's the same thing. It sounds as though it's 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 uh, definitely a beacon of uh, black prosperity, despite. Yes. Right. Despite. In spite of. Right. So how did how did this neighborhood, how did Anacostia foster or nurture your appetite for reading as a child? I mean, so that's my mom. My mom is, although she's from Tarboro, North Carolina, uh, she also spent most of her life growing up here uh, in D.C. as well. So my mom was a huge reader. So every summer school let out. Here's your books to read. Mostly Uh, by black authors. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Ralph (laughs) Ellison, Malcolm X. Oh, man. So it was, you know, to me what D.C. is about. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, Ramonda, I, I pose the question to you when we talk about reading and black authors. Mm-hmm. Coming from Tulsa, what was your access to reading like and particularly reading or, or having access to literature um, by and written for by people who look like you? Very limited. I was a voracious reader. I loved reading books. I would stow books in my backpack. I would read them under the covers with a little nightlight. Um, but I loved reading. But the characters never looked like me. They never did. So here I am just eating up all of these books and trying to connect with characters that did not look like me. They didn't look like me in the, the romantic novels, you know, that they would describe the long blonde hair and this and that. I'm like, well, my hair is a totally different texture. Mine's in a bonnet. Hello? I mean, yes. hey. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> and it's funny, right? When I, when I think about growing up, and I also was a voracious reader, and I think about how many Judy Bloom books I read, and never, ever did anyone look like me. And that's, that's exactly it. As I said to you, as I walked in here, I felt joy. Mm-hmm. I felt joy simply from being in here and being able to recognize most of the titles on the shelves and being able to see books that I can read to my daughter that have characters with her skin color and her hair. And they're not necessarily books about having that skin color or hair. Mm-hmm. Jack and Jill. What about Jamal and Jaleesa? Where did yeah. that story, you know? Those yeah. are names that I connected with, but yeah. That was not something that I was exposed to until later. Mm-hmm. And it's been something that's important to us with our own daughter, Mahogany, just exposing her to books. Because we know when you're exposed to characters that look like you, your ethnicity, your self-confidence increases and your self-esteem increases. In Anacostia, representation is found off the pages too. Just blocks from mahogany books on the side of busboys and poets 
another local institution, you'll find a mural. And I love that not only do we have different uh, natural hairstyles represented here, but we also have women, Black women of different skin tones. The vibrant painting by Candace S. Taylor depicts four Black women with different hair textures and styles. We have a lady with cornrows, someone else with bantu knots. We got some single braids. <laughs> we got a lot going on. On top of each of their heads is a crown meant to symbolize the Crown Act or creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. It's an act that seeks to prohibit racial discrimination based on hair texture and protective hairstyles. And in nearby Maryland, along with 18 other states, it is law. Being a Black woman is such a rich, visceral experience. I'm, I'm so happy to, to, to be in this skin, and I just love that this is being honored, particularly here in this neighborhood, which is historically and predominantly Black. In 2007, you opened Mahogany Books as an online shop. What was that like back in 2007? Yeah, 2007, I think we were in the middle of a recession. Mm. And here we are talking, the conversations that we were having about, we wanted to have a business that really spoke to us from a cultural perspective, from a community perspective, from a business perspective. So a bookstore just really allowed us to touch on all three. And I know for me, I kept saying, well, man, I did not grow up with those ac the access to books. Why not go online? It just really resonated with both of us. Like It was just really like light bulb moment. Like, wow, if we do it, online people no matter where they live will have access to books people like me yes yeah, absolutely. in toronto absolutely and if i'm just even more real about it we, we were brand new you know starting a business like wait what starting a family <laughs> starting a family at the same time so the other part of those conversations too was fear i'll be honest because here we are saying oh we want to start a, a, a business centered around books and not just any books uh, just micro niche yes and the industry of black books so there was fear around that at least for me I know, just you know, hearing other people's thoughts about why are you doing this? Nobody's gonna read that. We can get books from here. But for us, we knew this burning desire to create this access to books had to be. And online allowed us to reach the, the just a wide swath of people mm. at a low cost. Um, but obviously, there was an appetite for it because 10 years later in 2017, you opened your first physical location that we're sitting in right now. Why the Anacostia neighborhood? Wow, there's a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. Go ahead, Mr. Anacostia. <laughs> no, nope, I want to make sure. I'm, um, so, I mean, yeah, there are a number of reasons. I think for those 10 years while we were online, we were doing pop-up shops, essentially, hosting author events. And everywhere we went, people were like, can I get that T-shirt? Where's your bookstore at? Can I get your card? How do I find you? We were like, it really feels like there, like if we had a central location, people would travel to us. Um, so we began deciding, you know, do we do it in PG County? Do we do it in DC? Do we do it in Virginia? Um, and we pursued every possible opportunity. An opportunity opened up here at Anacostia. And when it opened up, we came and visited. And the space was fantastic because wow. it fit essentially with who we were. Mm -hmm. That people could walk around the block to a bookstore, hang out, and just feel a vibe, an energy, and experience that 
they wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, and I think too, when I think of this community, and like you were saying, there was not a bookstore in Anacostia in over 20 years. And when we look at Washington, D.C., the <coughs> landscape, it has been noted as one of the most literate cities in the United States. So most literate, so bookstores are all around um, Washington, D.C., but then this community here in Anacostia does not have one. And so when we looked at the different demographics here, it's 95, 96% black, maybe 3% Hispanic here, and no bookstore that really reflected the culture, the, the connectedness, the, the history that, that didn't, didn't exist. And so for us, it was just a perfect way to say, you know what, I don't care what didn't exist, we are going to exist here. What was the reaction of people from this neighborhood? It's been, I don't know if surreal is the word I want to use, but that's the word that's coming to mind. And I think, I think it's not fitting enough because of the emotion that I have behind it. I mean, there, there was a guy when we opened every week, you could count on it, Friday, he would be in here buying a book. I'm like, dude, I don't even know if you've read the last four books. And he's not getting small little, he was getting thick history books. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, you have an entire library right now from us that you just, I know you haven't had a chance to read. <laughs> and we were laughing, but it was from the parents bringing their kids in here, just having them sit up front and read through books, uh, just in here talking. You know, you work for something so long mm-hmm. and you imagine what it would look like, what it would feel like. But to see it come to Fruition and to see how people responded to it, you know, it just really meant a lot. And uh, you know, it it's it's almost like family. And I really enjoy every time I come in here, what conversation I might end up having mm. because it's really about, you know, people people have spent two hours in a five hundred square foot space, yeah. right? Because it's not <laughs> just it's not about, about the books. books. It's about the experience. It's about, it's about the experience in it, and that's yeah. what's been. Um, the most phenomenal thing about uh, being here in Anacostia is that. When I look around the pictures that are on the walls of authors that have been here before us and authors that are here now, when I look at the books and the faces that are on the walls of little kids who are skateboarding or being a princess or being an inventor, those are the things that we contribute to this space. It is more than just the books. It is about community. It is about having a sacred space to have conversations about topics that otherwise are taboo or, you know, we we whisper them when we're around other people. Here, you don't have to whisper. And a customer actually said that to us. I think she was talking about slavery and racism. And for her, she was whispering. And she looked around and we both looked around and she said, I don't have to whisper anymore. This is a space to really be free to talk about things that are important to me. So it is more than the books. It's about having the freedom to say, you know what, these issues are important to me and I feel comfortable enough in the sacred space to talk about them. So these are two local writers with uh, really, really great And I have my two as well. Okay. (laughs) I have three, but I'm going to pull out two since he only did two. But one is the Afro Minimalist Guide to Living with Less. This is by Christine Platt. It just came out, I want to say last year. But this book was amazing to me. It's talking about living with less and the historical perspective she asked to the book about why black people are consumers. Why are we doing these things as such an amazing clip, but not even using the mindset or thinking about why we're doing what we're doing and buying. Her book has transformed how I go and shop, 
why I go and shop. I know my husband may not see it as much, <laughs> but it really has. It makes me think twice about what I purchased, but the Afro Minimalist Guide is amazing. She lives here in the D.C. area. And then this last one is Nile Valley Civilization. It's been around a long time, but Dr. Tony Browder lives here in the D.C. area, and this is the book that changed me when I was in college because I didn't know all the things about black history. I didn't know what we contributed to this world at such an amazing level, but this book shined the light on what we've done, what we brought to this world, what we brought to this community. So this is one of the books that I recommend all the time as a very, um, an amazing starting point. Both of you are very conscious about um, actively supporting black owned businesses, right? With your, your dollars. Why is that important? And particularly here in this neighborhood? Because they're great at what they do. I mean, it's it's simple. There there are so many brilliant entrepreneurs, uh, creatives from our community that, because of stereotypes and propaganda, don't get uh, the opportunities that they should. And on top of that, we we try to shop black all the time as much as possible. So to come into this space here in the Anacostia Art Center and know that there's other black businesses here that we could create this amazing synergy with, Nubian Human, the Fresh Food Factory. There's even a chiropractor down the hall that are all black businesses. And so for us to add to that dynamic was just perfect. Some people even called it the new little black Wall Street because <laughs> in Anacostia, there's this huge concentration of black owned businesses that a lot of other parts of the city does not have. So for us to kind of, you know, be a part of that ecosystem was vital, was important and was something that we felt like we contribute contribute to in a very real way. If you support these black businesses, that money flows back into the community. We can bring more and more stuff here. We're not looking for everything to be free. We're viable and we are worthwhile and we're not the forgotten. We need to keep our community within our community. We have to have some type of connection for our black people and somewhere for us to go that we can see where we actually, not going to say actually matter, but where we matter. It's a place where people from different walks of life, where we can come and be comfortable no matter what your background is or your lifestyle is, you know what I'm saying? And I think places like this needs to be established, you know what I'm saying? For myself, as a tourist, how can we respect the neighborhood? How can we be respectful when we come here? Oh, that's a good question. How to be respectful. I think really not coming and trying to change the neighborhood, but really taking moments to um, to just love on the brilliance in this neighborhood. Just loving the spaces that are here. Um, going to, you know, next door we have Open Crumb, an amazing little spot that has amazing food. But really coming into the community and serving the community and patronizing the community and the different businesses that are here. There's turning natural around the corner. So the, all these little spots that, as a person not from the area, that if you really want to come into this space, is really how do we, how do we support them? You know, what Southeast is about is people who um, are fighters, people who are going to um, stand in their own and not be bowed by anyone's expectations. Mm. We know what we want to go for and we go for it. And re regardless of what the obstacle is, we're going to push through that. At noon, we packed up and said goodbye to Derek and Ramunda. 
They had a bookstore to open, after all. I was still buzzing from the conversation, so we walked just a few minutes over to Cedar Hill, the site of Frederick Douglass's family home and final residence, right here in Anacostia, to wrap up the day. It feels like it was an impactful experience. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this was such an impactful experience. I mean, having that conversation with Derek and Ramonda gave me chills. It got me excited. It just really, it felt really reaffirming as a black woman, um, as someone who's lived in the U.S. I loved coming here. I felt like I was home. I felt welcomed. I saw myself reflected in the people and in the businesses. And that was such an exceptional feeling. Come to Anacostia. <laughs> it definitely needs to be on your list and definitely head to Mahogany Books. You will spend way more time in there than you expected and you'll probably have some really insightful and impactful conversations. And just even being in the Anacostia Arts Center actually, we were in there taking some pictures a little bit earlier on and uh, one of the vendors beckoned to me and just even then, she was so helpful. Her spirit was so kind. And I think that's just really indicative of, of how people are here, right? They, they really want to help, and they're glad that you came. And so we should continue to come. That's all for this episode of About the Journey. Thank you to our Anacostia hosts, Ramonda and Derek Young. Next week, we're off to a higher elevation. So we've made it to the top. Here we are. Yes. I feel very accomplished, but <laughs> yeah. also out of breath. Right, right. <laughs> Climbed a little mountain here. So. Yeah. <laughs> we're headed to Denver, Colorado to have a slightly breathless conversation about inclusive hiking. About the Journey is produced by Marriott Bomboy Traveler, Atwell Media, and me, Onika Raymond. Our Marriott producers are Robin Benefield and Jess Moss. Our at-will media producers are Kate Walsh, Christy Westgard, Gail Straub, and Tina Turner. Editing by Greg Devins II. To learn more about Mahogany Books and to browse their online collection, visit www.mahoganybooks.com or visit their storefront in the Anacostia Arts Center. You can learn more about visiting BC and get other tips on how to travel more meaningfully from Marriott Bonvoy Traveler at traveler.marriott.com. And if you like this episode of About the Journey, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Onika Raymond. See you next week.